Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine. That was Jeff Healy with See the Light. Oh, my gosh. I love his music. I've always loved his music. If you're not familiar with him, you can just find that uh, song on YouTube with the video. He actually is blind. He passed away years ago. He had, I believe, uh, cancer in his eyes. Uh, he was an incredible talent. want to just tell you a few things. It is, as you I'm sure you all know it's uh, Martin Luther King Day, and there is a symposium right here at UCI that's pl- taking place the entire week. Uh, it's the 34th annual Martin Luther King Jr. Symposium at UCI. Uh, there'll be lectures, activities, events in honor of the slain civil rights leader's birthday. Starting today uh, through Friday at different locations, mostly in the Cross-Cultural Center and the Student Center, both of which are served by the Student Center parking structure. And uh, if you want more information, you can call 824-2001. And let's see, what else can I tell you? Uh, There's just a whole bunch of uh, events going on. So you know what I'm going to do? Later on, I will copy this to my blog. My blog is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org, or you can Google it. Again, a whole bunch of events taking place this week right on the UCI campus to celebrate and honor Martin Luther King Jr. Oh, I do want to mention that we are having, KUCI is having its first event of the year. They're going to be, we're going to be hosting an open mic night on Friday, January 20th at 8 p.m. at the new OC DIY venue in Lake Forest. And we are looking for poets, singers, dancers, and any other talented performers. So for more information, you can visit our website at www.kuci.org. All right, standing by to, ta- uh, to start off the show is Sam Wyman. Uh, he is author and digital editor of GolfDigest.com. And we're going to talk about his book I had a chance to read called Win at Losing. Hi there. How are you? Good, how are you? Good. Thanks for calling in. I know it's a holiday, so I appreciate you taking the time to join us on the show. Oh, my pleasure. I devoured your book, as I told you off air. I um, I mean, it's in line with Get the Funk Out. I mean, uh, tell me about the backstory of why you decided to write this book. Sure. I really approached it from two different perspectives. One was, uh, as a journalist, I've been a sports writer for a bunch of years, and I feel like I've always been drawn to losing and the topic of, of how people deal with defeat. Um, just I find them to be more interesting people more than more than the guys who win. So that was one part of it. And then the other part was, as a dad, I have two boys who are very competitive athletes and have uh, struggled with losing in various forms. And at one point, I feel like I recognized that it was something they really needed to learn because certainly in my experience, losing is a really valuable um, experience and can be really good for you in the long haul. So I wanted to explore that idea further uh, with them, but also through all these kind of uh, famous or, you know, interesting stories. Yeah, I think, you know, talking about the power of resilience, you you have to know how to lose in life because we, we are experiencing all these ups and downs and you need to know how to deal with it. Absolutely. And, you know, losing can mean any number of different things. I mean, what we're really talking about is navigating a reality different than the one uh, that you wanted. And certainly, you know, when we lose, it doesn't have to be sports. It can be really anything. We have to kind of find a way to, A, just feel better about it, 
but also be, you know, grow from the experience and get stronger. And I've just found that to be the case again and again. Yeah. I remember watching Dan Jansen years ago when you talk about the story of Dan Jansen. You want to share a little bit about that? Uh, sure. Your, your chapter yeah. is The Power of Rewriting, How Dan Jansen Revised His Own Script. Yeah, Dan's story is really, and um, what what made it most amazing was exploring it, you know, this sort of, lack of a better word. So Dan was that he was Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Sam, you're breaking up a little bit. Oh, sorry. Uh, go ahead. Um, back Backtrack a little bit. A couple of oh, sentences. I said Dan was, you know, was one of the best speed skaters in the world, yes. and he was, um, you know, the favorite to win a gold medal on a couple of occasions in the Olympics. And in 1988, he, he, um, he fell in his, mm-hmm. uh, you know, his signature race, the 500 meters, and he fell, as it turns out, uh, in a race that was literally hours after his sister had just died of leukemia. So it was this really heartbreaking story. Right. And then he raced two days later, and the 1,000 meters, another race, and he fell in that race. And four years later, he's back in the Olympics, and he was favored to win, and he lost in that. So it was just this, this vicious cycle of him losing and then thinking he was never going to win and that he was fated to lose and what made his story really interesting is that he when i talk about rewriting the script he had to kind of get control of the narrative around him about why he fell and what was happening to him and with the work of a psychologist um he learned to see what happened to him as something that was somewhat outside of his control because he went through this traumatic event of his sister passing away but also that he even in losing the races that he was losing, he was, he was, uh, he was a, a, a successful skater. He had a successful career. He was committed. All these things that he could feel good about, even in the face of defeat. And so, his rewriting a script was just, you know, learning to embrace the journey he had already been on. And then ultimately, his last race was in 1994 in the in the Winter Olympics. And you know, he basically said, well. If I lose, I still we're gonna feel good about what I did because I put myself out there and I put everything into it. And he yes. ended up breaking the world record and winning. So it's just great redemptive story. Yeah. Um, and very, very, you know, very inspirational. I remember this story because I remember watching, and it was just heartbreaking to see him falling, event after event. And uh, but he had such a positive outlook, and then look where it got him. Absolutely. I mean, you know, a big part of this book is just this whole idea that do not let defeat fester or um, define you. And he embodied that in so many different ways because he could have just been really um, disheartened and demoralized. And certainly for a little while he was, but then, you know, an hour later, two hours later, he realized that this was what kind of had the way it had to be. And he embraced that. Right. And one of the things I love, which I mentioned to you before we came on the show, is you don't just talk about, you know, um, this is where I was, this was the tough place, and then this is the great thing that happened. The important part is what did you learn from your failures? Sure. I mean, my, my big um, belief is that failure is great feedback. You know, when we lose, we are forced to look inward in ways that we're, not really able to do when we win. When we win, we're just kind of happy and we're successful. We don't really take a good look at what happened. But when we lose, we have this sort of inventory that we take. What, what went wrong? What did I do wrong here? 
how did it um, how did it work out this way, and what can I do to avoid it next time? It's sort of this um, self preservation practice that we go through. Yes. So, um, you know, the, the great the lessons are are basically coming from just looking hard at ourselves and looking at what we can learn. It's always there's always you know a deficiency or a, or a shortcoming that we can address when we t- take a hard look at ourselves. And what I love is that the lessons in this book. They can, even though it's focused on sports, it can apply to anything. Like at the time you lose that job or you break up in that relationship and you're just so devastated. But then later on, you think that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Sure. I mean, yeah, there, there certainly is a lot of sports in the book, and I've been kind of unapologetic about that because that's my background. That's your first of all, it's what drove me to the idea, but also it's just the world that I know. But I do 100% agree that this is about the universal. Um, emotion of disappointment and how we deal with disappointment. And if you're right, it can be sports, but it can very easily be not getting into college or not getting the job you want or even the end of a relationship. These are all, you know, episodes that we lose in some form or another that ultimately can be beneficial and certainly painful. I don't make it, I don't try to pass it off as like this is a fun experience, but even through that pain comes great opportunity. Do you have suggestions for how people can bounce back after rejection, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's work or relationships or anything? Well, I, I go back to the idea of sort of looking inward and taking a good look at what happened. I mean, sometimes um, one of the important things to do is to recognize, was it me or was it something else? Sometimes we, we lose sight of that part, which is sometimes there are setbacks in our life that are not our fault. And, you know, rather than beat yourself up for those, you need to recognize that and and give yourself a bit of a pass when it's just something outside your control because there's someone who we said for um, not festering or letting that you know dwell but when it is our fault there's a failure i'm a big believer in studying it closely and spending some time around failure and embracing the challenge that comes from it you know i didn't get this part because they say that i speak too quickly i'm just making this up as i go right. but you know i speak too quickly <laughs> um so i'm gonna really i'm gonna really um work on speaking, you know, in a more measured and tone, uh, measured and calm way, uh, and that's going to serve me. And sometimes, you know, that feedback we get and really, really um, embracing the content of that feedback is, is hugely beneficial. Right, right. Do you want to share some other stories? I know uh, there's so many that stood out for me. Um, the soccer player, Sarah? Yeah, Sarah Hess. Yes. Um, she's She's a... She's a fascinating story. Talk about a sports story, but it's not really about a sports story. It's really about a kind of loss of identity in the sense that she was a soccer player. She was part of this famous team that won the World Cup in 1999 and went to the Olympics. But then her career sort of took a um, you know a negative turn in the sense that she wasn't really playing that much. And then and then she and then she blew out her knee. She uh, you know she was playing professional soccer and she had this devastating knee injury which then led to further health complications because she had this infection in her knee right. and she had a surgery and in the surgery she almost died from the it's a very traumatic thing and along the way um she you know physically was withering away she they mm-hmm. couldn't figure out what was wrong with her and she was going through all this kind of traumatic pain um but also she had this real emotional feeling of a loss of who she was she had always identified as a soccer player yeah. and that was where she sort of derived her self-worth from and now that was gone and she felt very alone and she admits she was suicidal like she didn't know if she wanted to live anymore right. uh, because it was such a big part of her 
And the sort of bounce back for her was a long and painful process, but she basically, one of the things she did when she was in this process of, of figuring out her life is she started taking psychology courses because it was a part of her life, you know, certainly sort of um, investigating her own, you know, psyche and some of the problems she had. And yes. she realized that a lot of the pain that she suffered would make her a, a effective counselor, effective psychologist. And now... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 15 years later, she's a very successful family psychologist um, who has learned to embrace that part of her history because it made her more empathetic and more, you know, in tune to what people are struggling with. Right. I know, because it's one thing to practice psychology, not have the empathy and the experience uh, to relate to your patients, but it's another thing uh, to, to really take what you've learned and use it in a valuable way. Completely, completely. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's that whole idea that, um, you know, when we, when we hit a low point in our lives, we are, um, you know, we are afforded this experience that suddenly, you know, we're vulnerable and we can relate to people who have been vulnerable as well. You know, we have just a much greater appreciation for people who go through hard times because we went through hard times ourselves. Yes. What's great about this book is you brought up something I remember studying in graduate school, um, Abraham Maslow's uh, Hierarchy of Needs. Yes. And it, even, you know, it was written in 1943, and it talks about um, human motivation. It can be broken down into five layers of this pyramid, self-actualization, yeah. esteem, love and belonging, safety, and uh, physiological needs. Could you talk about that a little? Yeah, I found this to be interesting. Certainly, it's, you know, it's, a, it's an old... Uh, theory, or so it's not like it's you know I didn't bring anything new to the table, but right. it's really interesting when you look at the way we look at loss because you know should we really feel bad for uh, Greg Norman because he lost a a golf tournament? You know maybe not, but when you think about the fact that well, first of all, he had his most basic needs covered. You know your your basic, he's safe, he's he's being well fed, he's healthy, um, and then he had he had the next level, which was he was. Um, loved and had people around him, but then there's this sort of self-actualization level, which is, you know, the, the five layers, happiness is being able to do what you do best and doing what you love, and so um, sometimes loss can be something as simple as, I have the opportunity to do something I've always dreamed of doing, and because of that, uh, because I wasn't able to do it, I feel that pain, and so Maslow basically makes the point that um, there's always another Layer. I mean, sometimes it's, you know, obviously we have more sympathy for people who have real physiological concerns or, you know, they're not safe or they're not, don't have a, they don't have a safe place to, to sleep at night or don't have enough food to eat. That's obviously, we should have the most compassion for those people. Yeah. But his, the point is, is that people who have, um, you know, these other types of voids in their lives, they are, they are very painful as well. And, you know, that's kind of what loss is, is, is having that void uh, on one of those levels. You know what I wanted to also ask you? Did you have like a, a big epiphany, a revelation when you were researching and writing this book? Um, I mean, a, a couple. Certainly one is the um, value of um, a process. And by that I mean is that, you know, we so, so much wrap ourselves up in results and, you know, whether we win or we lose. And certainly a big part of this book is that, you know, it's, I, you know, I love to win too, and I love you know I love being successful. Sure. But we can define success by uh, committing to a process and doing everything we can and 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 effort 
And if we are able to do that, then we can be successful regardless. So mm-hmm. if whatever our, we're doing, um, if you're hosting a radio show this morning, it may go great or may not. But if you put everything you can into it and you prepare the best you can and you're, you know, you're invested in it, then ultimately that's the most important thing. And yes. so um, it's learning to sort of value that over you know, these quantifiable results of how many people listened or whatever the metric is for your, in your part of life. Yes. Well, that's why I found this so relatable to the show, Get the Funk Out, is because I'm so intrigued by stories where people go through these ups and downs and things are very rocky in life. And it's what you learn along the way in the process of coming out on the other side that's really fascinating. All right. Well, thank you for saying that, first of all. But, yeah, I agree. I mean, look at, you know, like Michael Dukakis is another person I talk about in the book. And, you know, he ran for president. You would think there's nothing else that, you know, at that point, after that, um, he lost the he lost the general election, and yes. he more or less faded into obscurity. But he also looked at that episode in his life. He was like, "Hey, what can I take away from this? What can I learn from it? How can I grow from it?" Um, again, also, you know, part of this larger process. You know, my wife likes to say, "Life is long," and what her point is is that these things that feel like these major setbacks might just be a step along the way. And so, what we're right. talking about really is embracing that larger journey that we're on. And how did you choose these uh, different, you know, people to focus on in your book? You probably had a long list that you wanted. I to did. Play. I literally had a list at one point, and um, you know, for the most part, it was people who resonated with me. I mean, I yeah. could have literally written uh, twenty thousand pages on people who have had notable losses and bounced back from them. There's so many great stories, and and mm-hmm. you could make the argument that there are some more um, dramatic stories than the ones I chose. But for a variety of reasons, they were stories that that. Um, I was intrigued by or I wanted to pursue or, you know, they shed a light on a different side of losing that I wanted to. I mean, you know, there's a chapter in the book about, or there's a part in the book about a uh, hockey player named Ralph Cox, and that was purely based on the fact that, you know, one of the sort of defining moments as as a young athlete for me was watching the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team win the gold medal in 1980 against the Russians. Well, I was interested... By the, the the last guy cut from that team, you know that just was an interesting concept. There was there were twenty guys on that team. Well, one, at one point there was twenty one. Mm-hmm. So what happened on the twenty first guy? And so I was intrigued by Ralph Cox, and I you know sought him out and wanted to tell his story. So it's just for the most part, it's just people who um, you know they had some sort of poignant effect on me um, in thinking about loss. Right, right. I uh, underline the. A statement in here, you, you talk about failing to pivot when necessary. Yeah. That's a really important concept. Sure. I mean, that, that was, the specific for that one was talking about in in uh, in businesses, but it really is applicable to anything. But in that case, they were talking about, um, you know, you are going down a path as a business, and you're going to sell widgets, and you're, you know, and they say in Silicon Valley, um, part of the, part of sort of, um, a, a real skill is knowing when to pivot, knowing when, okay, this isn't working, but a part of this, a part of this could work, so I'm going to pursue that. Yeah. And that's applicable to anything. I mean, again, um, you know, you're, you're, you're pivoting, you're going to go in a different direction um, because you need, you know, the, the path you're on is, is for some reason not, uh, not working. And yeah. so, again, we go back to the idea of you're getting feedback, what is that feedback telling you, and what from that feedback uh, can you use to pivot in a more constructive and healthier direction? And sometimes it's so hard because you want to see, let's say, the startup launch. It's your baby. You've invested all this time and energy. 
but it's just not something that people need. It's there's not you know a demand yeah. for it, and you have to know when it's time to let go. Totally, and there's some pride in that, right? Because you're talking about well, this is my idea. This was the thing I put the most time and energy, and I fa- I I refuse to let this thing die. And right. you know, it, a part of our um, nature is to applaud that sort of persistence. We want people who are you know going to you know going to see see ideas ideas through and not and not abandon them. And to some extent, that's still very admirable. But there's also great courage in saying, you know what, this isn't working out. I'm going to try something else because, um, you know, there's just there's there's another opportunity elsewhere. Right. So, as a result of all this, how do you think this has impacted your coaching? How you how you uh, focus with your kids? Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, I mean, it's funny. I coached <laughs> I coached my boys in hockey, and I literally I coached six hockey games this week between the two of them Whoa. and you know yeah i know i have a busy life but a, uh, it's a great life and uh and uh you know we lost a couple games and uh, the way i look at it is you know did we did we did was there something positive we could take away from it you know what did we learn from those losses i mean it happens all the time hey yeah. like for instance we played a team on saturday we lost 10 to 9 it was a very high scoring game mm-hmm. but the previous game we lost that team 10 to 1 and so the the message in the locker room after the game was, look at the progress we made. How amazing is that that we we went from uh, losing this team by nine to losing to this team by one. That's right. And you know, and so that's you know that's applicable to anything. That's a that's an easy one to point to because even they can see that. But and that's true for for anything. You know, it's whether it's school or whatnot. It's uh, you know, listen, you might not have gotten a good grade on this this one test, but. Um, now you know that you're going to have to work harder um, to study for the next one. You know, this is a good wake-up call for you. So it's certainly applicable as a dad and a coach and certainly applicable just to my life as, you know, as I stumble on my way through the the world. (laughs) There's plenty of times when I make mistakes that I can learn from it. Uh, I want to ask you, because we're going to wrap up soon, where can people find out more about you? Sure. Yeah, I mean, my website, uh, samweinman.com is as good a place as any. It's got all the information about the book, and uh, you can reach out to me via email. Um, and, um, you know, I, there's a little bit of the, some of the message, you know, in video that they can, they can uh, read I about the book that. as well. I saw that. Yeah. I actually uh, posted that on my blog and to spread the word you were coming on my show. Uh, tell us about the other things you do, because you, you've been a writer for a long time now. Yeah, so like I said, I've been in sports journalism for... I feel old when I say this, but, you know, 20 years now, um, I'm the digital editor at Golf Digest, so that's my, basically my day job, and basically I oversee all of the digital content uh, uh, from Golf Digest, so I, uh, you know, certainly as a writer, but also as an editor, and and uh, these days, you talk about sort of learning from mistakes, we're all trying all different kinds of things in, in uh, social media and digital content, and so um, that's a big part of my life these days. That's awesome. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I've really enjoyed your book. Again, we've been talking with Sam Wyman about his book, Win at Losing. Thanks so much, Oh, thank Sam. you for having me. Thank you for having me. That was great, great. Enjoy the day off. Hopefully you are taking the day off. Uh, more or less, yeah. More or less, okay. All right. Uh, hopefully, maybe sometime when I'm on the East Coast, I would love to meet you. That would be great. I would right. enjoy that. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Sam. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Sam Wyman talking to us about his book, Win at Losing, that just came out, how our biggest setbacks can lead to our greatest gains. If you missed any part of this segment, it will be up on my blog within an hour after I wrap. 
And uh, I do want to mention I have one more guest coming up at the bottom of the hour. This is uh, another really great book. Uh, Joshua Jelly Shapiro is joining me to talk about his book, Nonstop Metropolis. And uh, it was written with Rebecca Solnit. Uh, there's a full description on my blog, but it's an incredible volume uh, of history about New York City. And there are, uh, let's say, 26 imaginative maps and informative essays. There's a whole list of writers that contributed to this book up on my blog, uh, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. And Joshua is a geographer and writer whose work has appeared in the New York Review of Books, uh, New York Times, Harper's, and The Believer, and there's numerous other publications, which I'm sure he'll tell us about when he joins us around 9.30. So we'll take a little break, and then I'll bring Joshua on the line. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. 